Many of you came to church this morning not knowing what to expect. Now you know. (laughs) Didn't Taylor and her team do a wonderful job this morning? We're so excited. Taylor's already been on our team in our children's ministry, but we're um, just excited about having her um, be in a position where God has gifted her and where she is passionate about. And so um, we're glad you're on our team, Taylor, even though you were already on our team. Uh, This is week three of our series entitled One Another. Um, one another is a phrase we see throughout the New Testament. It's a phrase that teaches us as Christians how we are to treat each other. Now remember, one another is defined as someone in the group doing something to or for the other members of the group. And it's reciprocal, meaning I do it for you, you do it back to me, all together in our group back and forth, give and take. So when we talk about loving one another, I love you, you love me back. We've talked about serving one another already, and we've talked about forgiving one another. Today we're talking about accepting one another. And our verse to kick us off today is found in Romans chapter 15, verse 7. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So there you see it. Because Christ has accepted us, we are to, in turn, accept one another. It's kind of like forgiveness last week. Because Christ forgave us, we are to forgive one another. The same is true about acceptance. He is our example in this. He accepted us. The Bible even says, as we were still sinners, he accepted us. And so we are to, in turn, accept one another. Well, We have difficulties accepting one another because one of two reasons. One, they are different than we are. Or two, they are not who we would like them to be. So that's our struggle. We struggle with accepting because they're different than we are or they're not who we would like them to be. Now when I say accept one another, I'm I'm not saying accept the other person's beliefs or their lifestyle or their philosophies. I'm saying accept them as a human being, a person who deserves respect and dignity, a person who is loved by God, a person who Jesus died for, and a person who God would want to have a relationship with. So that's what I'm talking about when I say accept one another. Now this is where we are at odds with culture. Culture would have us accept everything, lock, stock, and barrel. What is right for you is right for you. What is right for me is right for me. Even if they're at odds, everyone's right. There's no absolutes. The term tolerance gets used a lot. And I'm not saying that there's no absolutes. There are absolutes. But this doesn't mean that we have to treat people poorly. When we truly accept someone, we are saying that we value them as a person more than any difference we might find between us. Let me say that again. When we truly accept someone, we are saying we value them as a person more than any difference we might find between us. And so, I have 
this morning for you four reminders of who we need to accept and then um, four practical ways to do it better. Now, I must say, before I get into all this, I think we do this all pretty well here at PCC. I, I believe we are pretty accepting of one another. But just because of that doesn't mean there's not room for improvement. So let's get into our reminders of who we need to accept. First, accept those who look differently than you. Now, racism is a hot-button topic in our culture. Racism is an issue in the world that we live in. We hear about it all the time. But it's not anything new. In fact, it's been going on for a long time in this country, but it's been going on throughout history. Even it was an issue in first century um, Israel, in the ancient world. The first century Jew had an issue with racism. Now, there's the Jew and Gentile issue that we read about in Scripture. Um, when God did accept the Gentiles in to be included in his people, the, the Jewish converts, even the apostles, had to struggle with some of that because it was, it was not what they were used to. But we also see in Scripture how the Jews had issues with the Samaritans. In fact, they hated one another. They were really at odds with one another. So much so that when a Jew was traveling um, north in Israel, they would have to go through Samaria. And so instead of going from point A to point B with a straight line, they would go east, cross the Jordan River, then go north, and then cross back over and go west to avoid Samaria because they did not want to encounter those people. They hated them. And so they could have saved a lot of time and energy by just going from point A to point B, but they weren't willing to do that. And in fact, we see that Jesus was willing to do that. We see that in John chapter 4 when he encounters the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan. So it's been an issue for a long time, but we still hear about it today. Now hopefully you have never experienced that here at PCC. Now, just a little bit of my background, I have to admit that I grew up and lived in an all-white community most of my life. It's just the way it was. I grew up in the Midwest, it was a farming town, and there was not any diversity at all in the community I grew up in. In fact, I only um, could remember one person of color in my school, and, and he was only there for about a year or two. My daughter, when we uh, moved um, to central Illinois, the same thing, an all-white community. My daughter had a similar experience as I. Her first year in kindergarten, um, she had a black person in her class. And I'll never forget the day she came home from school to tell me that she had a black person in her class. And I thought, what, what, where's this going? You know, I kind of, well, it was interesting because this didn't happen on the first day of school. It didn't happen during the first week of school. It didn't happen during the first month of school. It didn't happen until February when they were learning about Black History Month. And she's like, wait a second, something's different. And she came home to tell me there was a black person in her class. And we were able to talk about that. And of course, she went on her happy way and it didn't make a difference in her world. Now. I tell you all that because that's how I grew up. 
that changed drastically when we moved to Florida. <laughs> Our experience changed. We moved into an apartment building where we were one of two white families that lived in, in the whole complex. It was a culture shock for us. We weren't afraid of it. We embraced it. We knew that God had put us there. And we grew to love it. And at this point in our life, my family, we are more comfortable now being part of a melting pot than not. So much so that we talk about it when we go visit family up north. We're more comfortable here. We took a survey of this church a few years ago. It included the demographics. And we discovered we had, at that time, 29 different nationalities represented in this church. It's amazing. This is a little glimpse of what we'll see in heaven. There will be even more people of color in heaven. I think there will be some surprised people to get up there and find that it's not just white Americans up there. <laughs> in fact, white Americans will be the minority in heaven. Revelation 7, 9 says this, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. We get a little taste of heaven every time we come to church here at PCC, and I love it. As a church, I do think we do this well accepting those who look differently. Of course, it's easy for me to say a leader in the church. But if we didn't do it well, I think we would be able to tell just by looking around. It's interesting. I, I follow some church leaders and um, some like church growth and church planting things online, and I read articles. And there's a huge push right now to plant and build multi-ethnic churches. It's, it's a big deal. The church is actually trying to get better at this. And whenever I see an article or a discussion about creating or building a multi-ethnic church, I thank God I'm part of one. I find myself thanking God for this church for a lot of reasons, but that is a big one. Um, I love it. Now, just because we might do this well, it doesn't mean there isn't any room for improvement. And the only way to know... This is by talking about it. Now, we don't talk about racism much here at PCC. We, we aren't going to make an issue of it if it's not here. That would be silly of us. But also, no, we're not afraid to talk about it. We're not afraid to have conversations about it. In fact, we welcome them. Now, this point about accepting those who look differently um, than you isn't all about skin color. What about tattoos and piercings? I have a tattoo. <laughs> I feel pretty accepted here. Um, what about the homeless person coming in off the street who hasn't showered for two weeks and is all unkept? What about someone with a major handicapped or birth defect? Accept those who look differently. Than you. That's the first reminder. The second one is this accept those who think differently than you. We live in a day and age where everyone has an opinion and everyone is right. <laughs> we can't have a disagreement without someone getting hurt or offended. In fact, disagreeing with someone means that you hate them and you can't be their friend. This is the world we live in, and we see it play out 
in every aspect of our lives. People have different thoughts and ideas, though, even in this very room. Not everyone in this group, in our group, thinks the same way. (laughs) There are differences. There are differences in the way people interpret the Bible. There are differences in some beliefs we find in the Bible. Now, there are core doctrines that we all would take a stand on, and I think since we are all part of the same group that we do take a stand together on certain core doctrines. But there are some things in the Bible I think we would find people believe different things about. There may even be people in our group who are skeptics and who are working out what they actually believe about God and the Bible. There are differences in this room on how to raise children. There are differences in in, in political views. Whoa, what? Yes, there are both Democrats and Republicans in our group. I might blow your minds here. To all you Republicans out there, there will be Democrats in heaven. And (laughs) all you Democrats out there, there will be Republicans in heaven. Accept one another. By accepting them, you're not accepting their belief system. You can separate the two. Now, our culture would say you can't, but you can. It's okay to accept those who think differently than you. Next. Except those who are in a different social class than you. James, the brother of Jesus, deals with this in, in his um, writings in the, in the scripture. In James chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over the others? For example... Suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? And he goes on to say just the first few verses later in in verse 9, If you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. In the words of Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Next, accept those who are on a different spiritual level than you. We are all on different spiritual levels in this group. Some are less mature than others, and that's okay. The spiritual life is described as human development. We see this illustrated in Scripture that there are some who are, who are uh, spiritual infants who need to consume milk to grow and develop. And then there are some who are spiritually mature who um, need solid food to grow, continue to grow and mature. We have people in our group who are just beginning their faith journey. We have people in our group who have uh, been on a faith journey for many years. We, we probably have some in our group who haven't even committed to the faith journey yet. We need to be accepting of all these. Now, it's more difficult for the spiritually mature with this than the others. Because the spiritually mature, it's, it's easy to begin to think you're better than those who are more immature. It's easy to think 
Well, compare yourself to them. Well, I don't do that anymore. Well, I don't do that. Well, I've, I've grown there. They get all hoity-toity and look down at the others. When I was in youth ministry, we had a new student begin to attend our youth group, and it was interesting because he smoked a cigarette before he came into youth group, and then about halfway through, he went out for another smoke break um, as I was teaching. And um, I told the sponsors we weren't going to do anything about it yet. They wanted to address it. They wanted to say, you can't do that. But I knew that might be the only chance that kid had to encounter Jesus. And I wasn't willing to tell him to stop smoking and miss the opportunity to love on him and show him Jesus. He came to youth group for a few weeks, and I did build enough relationship with him to where I asked him not to go out during youth group for a smoke break. He still smoked before he came in, but he, he was willing to not leave during We saw some real changes in that kid. And I I pray that we planted some seeds that eventually grew. And I pray that he's following Jesus today. I don't know. But it's always been my motto in ministry. Don't expect non-Christians to act like Christians. That's unfair. There are too many stories out there of people who have not been accepted by the church. And many people are actually turned off because of how they've been treated by the church. It would be much easier if people didn't bring their issues (laughs) into our group. It would be much easier if people behaved like we wanted them to. It would be much easier if things stayed nice and neat and pretty. But I don't want to be a part of a church that's nice and neat and pretty. I want people who have real issues to be accepted here to where we can work them out together. And sure, it gets messy, and at times we don't have the answer. Sometimes all we can do, even as church leaders, is cry out and pray with you. But let's not be a church that people can't be a part of unless they have it all together. In fact, I don't know if that church exists. But the easiest way to accomplish this is to remember one thing. That we all are sinners, and we need Jesus. It doesn't matter where you're at in your spiritual journey. We all are sinners and we need a Savior. So, we know that we need to accept one another, but how do we do it? How do we do it better? Here are four practical ways to help us be more accepting. First, be friendly to everyone. And this isn't difficult. Just smile, say hello, treat people with respect, value them as a human being. Our church is the size where everyone doesn't know everyone else. In fact, you may know someone by face, but you don't know their name. And sometimes we don't even know people (laughs) by face. But we do the time of greeting every morning. Some churches are getting away from that because they don't want people to feel uncomfortable. Well, we don't care if we make you a little uncomfortable. (laughs) In fact, when you're uncomfortable, that's usually when God grows you. It's okay to be uncomfortable, especially in church. But I like the greeting time. It's a chance when I get to smile at someone and make them feel like they're part of our group. Here's the challenge. Next week when we do this, greet someone who you don't normally greet. Now I know you sit in the same little area and you probably talk to the same few people. 
try to expand that a little bit next week. Don't go across the room, but greet someone new. And maybe greet someone who looks differently than you. Number two, be a good listener. A lot of times when we are listening to someone, we aren't actually listening to them. We're thinking of what we're going to say next. Be a good listener. I knew this preacher in Illinois who would always look around the room when he was talking to you. And you would be talking to him, and he'd be looking around like, who else is here? And it's like, hey, buddy, I'm right here. <laughs> We're talking. I got to the point to where I avoided him because I, it communicated to me that he really didn't care what I was saying. I didn't feel accepted by him. We all want to be heard. We all want to be listened to. And a good way to be listened to is to listen to someone else first. You might not come to agreement. You might not agree on everything. But at least you will feel heard and feel like you're accepted. Number three, be gentle when you do disagree with someone. Now, social media has hurt our society in a lot of ways. There's a lot of good to it, but there's a lot of bad. But it's awful easy to disagree with someone through technology. And it's awful easy to not be gentle in doing so. Sometimes we need to take a stand and confront someone. Sometimes we do need to stand for our convictions We need to share the truth with someone, but please be gentle. Don't forget love in that equation. Be gentle when you do need to confront someone, when you do have a disagreement. Number four, see people the way God sees people. This is difficult for us to do, but it's a practice that we can all work on. The prophet Samuel was instructed by the Lord to go and anoint the next king of Israel. And so he was instructed to go to Bethlehem and to find Jesse and his family. And so he did that. And he came on the scene and he sees this group of boys, Jesse's sons. And he sees one that's really tall and really strong and good looking. He's like, oh, that's the next king. And he goes to him and the Lord says, nope, that's not him. And so he finds the next best looking guy. And then the next strongest guy. And he's like, oh, this must be the next king of Israel. And the Lord says, nope. And he goes through all the sons. And they get to David, who wasn't even there at the time. He was out tending the sheep. And the Lord says, that's the next king. Through this whole process, after Samuel goes to the first son, this is what the Lord says to him in 1 Samuel 16, 7. The Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, we can't really look at people's hearts. But we can try to begin to look at them differently than just their appearance. We need to look at them differently. We need to try and see them how God sees them. We need to look past the differences. This will definitely help you be able to accept others a little better. Accept one another. Jesus did this better than anybody. He accepted others. Whether it be the religious leader coming to him to talk about religious things, or a sinner in need of forgiveness. Jesus accepted people. He accepted tax collectors. He accepted prostitutes. He accepted those who were cast out by society. He accepted you. 
He accepted me. The Bible says, while we were still sinners, he died for us. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. Please stand.